Well, we have, as an evident theme, binding together all our various texts, the idea of prayer. And, of course, Lent is a season and a time for prayer. Uh, But maybe behind prayer, something that makes prayer confident uh, is um, something else that I'm going to speak about here. If we look, let's put our things ourselves in context for our first reading. Esther, Queen Esther, um, lived in the time of the, under the Persian Empire, and this would have been about, I think, around 400 years before the birth of Christ. And uh, here she is. Um, she is, uh, her parents died when she was very young. She was taken care of by her cousin, actually, uh, a man by the name of Mordecai. And uh, she is uh, raised in the household of Mordecai. And um, uh, the, the Persian king, his men get a hold of her. Looks like she, she's a very beautiful woman. And uh, the Persian kings at the time had harems, meaning they had huge numbers of wives, hundreds of wives, okay? And uh, so, you know, any, any beautiful woman the, the Persian emperor would take to himself and she'd become a member of his harem, okay? So eyes are laid upon her, she, you know, word gets to the Persian king that she's a looker and uh, they take her, put her into the harem, okay? So she's technically the wife of the, of the king of Persia, but obviously, if you are one wife amongst three or four hundred or maybe five hundred wives, you're probably not going to get a whole ton of individual personalized attention from, from your husband. So, and, and he's the king, he's the emperor. Their policy was that if you approach the king of your own accord without him inviting you, he could kill you. Okay? So, uh, if you did, if you had the gumption to do something like that, and he wanted to show mercy to you, he would like extend his scepter, and that would be a sign that he wasn't going to kill you, that your presence was welcome, and you could petition him and talk with him, okay? So there's uh, another member of the king's court, this guy Haman. He's got it out for the Jews, for the Jewish people. He hates their guts, okay? Uh, in particular, because Mordecai won't bow to him in a particular setting or context. So anyways, he, he, he conceives this this mortal hatred for the Jews because of this guy Mordecai, who's a Jew, okay? And so uh, he basically kind of, this guy Haman kind of pulls some strings and he tricks the king into issuing a decree that all the Jews of the Persian Empire are going to be killed on a certain day, okay? And um, so the decree's gone forth and uh, that's the way it's going to be. All the Jewish people that are scattered all over the empire are in great consternation. They're, they're very, very worried about this. So they all pray to God. They fast together and they pray. And because they got one of their own who's made it in, meaning Esther, they, they basically say, Esther, go and talk with the king. So here's Esther. She's going to go talk to the king to ask mercy for her people. Okay. Uh, but she knows that if she approaches the king of her own accord, it's almost certain death. So here she is, and we're seeing that moment right before she's about to enter into the, you know, go and petition the king. So she's taking her life in her hands, and she's probably, you know, sweating blood. Uh, and it really is evocative of a lot of other scenes in the Bible. 
uh, I think of Jacob in the book of Genesis, right before he's about to re-encounter his brother Esau. He knows Esau could kill him, and uh, he's in a weakened state, and he knows that he's taking his life in his hands by going and coming face to face with Esau. And so the night before that happens, he prays this beautiful prayer to God. And uh, we think of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes to meet the, uh, you know, his fate at the hands of the Roman soldiers. Uh, he, he prays the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, we think of soldiers going into battle. You know, Hopefully they, they pray before they do that. So it's a very tense and dramatic moment. And she confesses, she says, I'm an orphan and I'm all alone. But yet she still finds the courage... Even given those circumstances, I'm an orphan and I'm all alone, but she still finds the courage. And I think it's because, well, one of the reasons at least is if we look at our responsorial psalm, it says, um, when I called, you answered me, you built up strength within me. So it's through prayer that we get courage, that we get strength to face the most difficult challenges that we might encounter. Uh, even something as difficult as facing our own um, potential death. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. But I think behind and deeper than even that prayer, there was a certain strength and confidence that came to Esther because she was rooted. Even though she says she's an orphan and uh, she's all alone, she had the entire nation of the Jewish people with her in solidarity with her, praying and fasting. That's what we do on Ash Wednesday. That's what we do on Good Friday. We all together pray and fast. So she wasn't alone, okay, in a deeper sense. Although she was going to go present herself alone to the king, she was supported by this humongous group of people. And she refers to the books of our fathers. So she had an identity. She had roots. You know, I think of today, uh, many children are raised and they have both parents, but... It's almost as if they're orphans because their parents don't give them any roots. They don't have a connection to a broader family. They don't have any true, like, kind of ethnic or national identity. They don't, and then even a deeper and a more important thing is they don't have any religious identity. And so it's almost as if Esther, who, though she was a literal orphan, she had deep roots because Mordecai took her under his wing, treated her as if she was his own daughter. So she had kind of a foster father. Mordecai instilled in her the faith of their fathers, so she had a, a deep ethnic and religious identity. And here she is talking about us and our, and she's supported by all the Jewish people praying and fasting together. She has real roots. She has real support. She has real strength. Many children today are raised, and their parents say, I don't know, go to the public school. What are the values that they get? I don't know, make money, be a cog in the wheel of the economy. That's your greatest meaning. Okay, what, what else is there? All right, I, I grow up, I don't know, I guess I, I marry, I have kids, I work, that's about it. I become a cog in the economic machine. There isn't any deeper roots. There's no support system. And so families begin to disravel. And society begins to fracture and crack, uh, you know, crack and break because there's no roots. 
Yesterday we saw these winds that were outrageous, right? I'm driving and I'm seeing trees blown over, but then others are standing. What's the difference between the tree that stands and the tree that got blown over? Is the one had root, had a support system, it had roots, and the other one didn't. So it's very neat to see Esther, although she's an orphan and she's alone in a certain sense, she's not alone and she's got really deep roots. And it's that confidence that can bolster her in this moment of mortal danger and give her the courage to go and face the king. And as the story turns out, the king does extend the scepter, she lives, and the wish is granted and her people are saved and so forth and so on. Um, So let's pray so that God would build up strength within us as Christ says in the gospel, seeking you will find... If you, being wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you what you ask for Him in prayer? So let's pray. Let's have confidence in our Heavenly Father. Let's also understand that we need to have deeper roots, a deeper support system. We need to respect our family, our broader family. We need to have a historical consciousness uh, that we are European-Americans. We need to be proud of that. It doesn't need to be something where we become racist. Okay? When you become proud of your heritage, it's a school within which you learn how to identify what you have in common. That's my uncle. That's my cousin. This is my father. This is my mother. This is my fellow American. Oh, this is my fellow Irishman or whatever it might be. It's a school within which you learn how to recognize commonality, not difference. And then you extend that ability to recognize commonality to the whole human race. That's how you avoid racism and ethnic conflict and whatnot. And so then you look at all people and you say, this is my brother. We all come from the same origin. We are of one human family. And we can have that true support system and really show solidarity with one another. And in that, our prayers will be heard. And we will be able to heal our communities and our societies of the fractures and the splits and everything that threatens to break them apart and unravel them. So I leave that uh, that with you today, my brothers. Let's think about that. Let's pray for stronger communities and more roots so that the, when the winds come, we don't get blown over.